Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means taking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here and we are in Business Mastermind Academy and we're talking about growth. Now, someone to my left of me is, is waiting on a Brexit decision and it's not like a fear-based one. His business really is dependent on Brexit and does uh, trade overseas. And I think sometimes people think that growth has to be 10x. <laughs> it has to be constant, consistent. And it's like, if you're not growing, then you're failing in business. And I don't agree with that necessarily. Um, so can you wait six weeks until you have a decision for Brexit? Yes. Um, how far should you grow? Well, that, that's probably the million dollar question. Um, we're 32% up this year, which in our 13th year is pretty good, but that has caused us all manner of shite. Um, with, we did one event that was 1.2 million pounds in sales, and that broke quite a lot of back-end systems that we wouldn't have predicted it would break because you don't know what the capacity of a backhand, back, backhand, <laughs> a backend system is until it breaks. And we had various backend systems, our CRM, payment gateways and merchants. They all broke. Just, um, so now we know the limit, but it's, it's a bit late. So there, I believe you can grow too fast. And I believe if you grow, if you're just obsessed about growth, things will break. I know someone who is buying a few properties at the moment. She, I mentor her. She's done a lot of service accommodation and she's just bought four single lets. Now, four single lets doesn't sound like many properties, but when you've not bought any single lets before and you go and buy four single lets at auction or within about a month, the best day for buying your property is the day you get it agreed. Maybe the second best day is exchange. And from there on, all the shit comes. And then you've got to do the refurb, which is costs twice as much and takes quite, twice as long. You, got to, you thought all your finance was in place and then you find out it wasn't or the mortgage company changes their mind. Um, and th there's a load of stuff you've got to deal with that you could not predict unless you've done it a hundred times. And this very person I'm talking about came to me and said, Rob, I've found another deal. I want to buy it. I've just raised the cash. And I'm like, you're already slightly melting down on the four that you're buying at the moment because you're going through all of that. Do you really want to buy a fifth? Oh, well, what if I don't get another deal for a while? The fear of missing out kicks in, et cetera. Um, and I know this person probably isn't going to listen to me. And I know this person is probably going to buy this fifth property. And I know in three or four weeks, I'm going to get a WhatsApp voice memo, uh, you know, where everything has gone to shit ever. We at Progressive, we're looking to take our companies global. And I've decided to do one country at a time, one small event at a time, 
uh, and not necessarily have to make significant profit in each event in each country for maybe one to two years. And also to have the mindset that if I go into Dubai with a partner, I may end up actually doing events in Qatar with another partner. I don't know until I've gone and tested, tested all these markets. And so if I can reduce the risk of the testing phase, so I don't have to go and buy an office in Dubai and an office in Qatar and an office in Abu Dhabi and an office in, you know, wherever. If I can test by using a partner and they have contacts and resources and I don't create overhead fixed costs, then I don't really have much risk. If I do 20 countries at once like that, it's all going to break because I can't handle the capacity. I was interviewing a billionaire yesterday. I don't know if you saw any of my preview videos that I did of it. It's David McCourt. He's a billionaire. Um, and I've said this a lot of times in different ways, but he basically said a lot of people are, f- are scared of failure, but you shouldn't be because the first time you start a business or the first model you go into or the first product you create will not be what you end up with. So you are going to fail. And actually, it's way more statistically likely you end up on your plan B and not on your plan A. So why fear failure when 95% chance you'll be on plan B or plan C or plan D, not plan A? So the old me would have been like, right, we've got to go global. Progressive are going to be the biggest player in the world. We've got to do it now. But in reality, I know a lot of these countries, some of them aren't going to work for us. Some of the partners aren't going to work for us. And we've got to go and find that out. And if we can go and find that out with a testing mentality and not have downside risk of massive cost or massive overhead, everything is essentially just an experiment until we get to the result. That's why I say to people, if you're buying property, buy one, do a refurb. Then you'll know who the shipbuilder is because you'll probably get that on your first refurb. And then you'll know who not to use for your second. Instead of buying five and using the same builder for five and then working out, it's the shipbuilder. Now, this is what they don't tell you when they say 10x. Um, so, so for me, like when people ask me about social media, do videos and put content out, content out, et cetera. Um, I just say, well, everything's a test. Do a live, do a live video. People like the content. Great. Do more of it. Do a live video. People don't like the content. Do less of it. Do a live video. Goes really wrong. Delete it. Men in black. Never happened. No one, no one knew it happened except three people. So. Growth can be steady and consistent as opposed to aggressive. There'll be times when your growth needs to be aggressive. But when your growth needs to be aggressive, you probably want your back end systems fixed for that aggressive growth. So one way we're looking to grow more aggressively is through acquisition rather than startup or, you know, just natural growth. But you'd have to have cash, staff, systems in place to be able to make an acquisition, knowledge and experience in the industry. So whilst that might not directly be your question, I would say, wait the six weeks. I'm a, I'm a big believer in collaborations. So um, I know a massive events company, a global events company, and I just scratched my head for years. How on earth do they fill events all around the world for 10, 15, 20,000 people in these random countries? How do they do it? And I've worked out what they do because I know people who run the company and people who know them who've worked and spoken for them. 
they have a central company in America. And then what they do is they find the big promoters in the countries and they partner with that promoter and that promoter fills the event in that country and they partner with them. And I always used to think, you know, they did all of the promotion in every country. How do you do that? They don't. They have one hub and they just have global partnerships. And that dramatically reduces your risk. So those of you in this room that are in property, just see every purchase as a test. See every builder as a test. See every mortgage broker as a test. And then when you find a good one, now this is important, when you find someone good, you do everything you can to keep them. Because it's really hard to find someone who's good. A, because there aren't that many really good in any, in any niche. There's 10% or 20% who are great. And then there's the rest. B, everyone's good when they're selling to you, when they want to win your business, when they're writing the first mortgage for you or doing the first refurb for you, or they're working for the pr probation period as the first member. So everyone's fucking good at that point. Um, I had an ex-girlfriend who used to say relationships are good, bad, over, which was for hours, by the way. Um, and so a lot of people you work with is good, then it's bad, then it's over. So when you find good people, do everything you can to keep them. Um, and that sometimes involves, and I, I, this is not normally my mentality, but I'm going to be honest with you because I think that's important. When you have a good builder, don't tell everyone about that good builder because then that good builder goes and works for everyone else and then they don't do your work because they're too busy. So Mark doesn't recommend his builders anymore um, or people who do work for him because we've ended up really suffering. I mean, make recommendations where you can, but, you know, you, you don't want to implode yourself just by being generous to others. How far do you push growth? So I think it depends on your personality. I think it depends on your available resources. I think it depends on your experience. I think it depends on your systems, your capacity, capital resources, human resources, etc. So I think, how far do you push growth? Well, there is obviously no hard and fast rule. What I would say is you want to build a good sense of self-awareness. So I'd say the first thing to think about is what's your capacity for what you can take on and be honest about that. Like for me, there's this really fine line between being on fire and being overwhelmed. It's really fine. It's like one little job in the day or one thing someone can say. I could be on fire, like getting loads of stuff done and one little thing comes in and I can sort of, it can push me just over the edge and I can have a bit of a meltdown. So what is your limit? What is that fine line between productive, proactive, on fire? Because entrepreneurs like to get in that flow state often. Entrepreneurs don't like to be bored entrepreneurs like a bit too much to do. Entrepreneurs are their most productive when they've got a little bit too much to do. Bill Gates said this. My mentor, John Demartini, said this. Hire, find and hire smart people. Give them a little bit too much to do and then get out of their way and let them do it. And there's a lot of experience and wisdom in those three simple statements. Find great people. Give them, don't give them just not enough to do. What do really intelligent people do with not enough time? Cause fucking problems. They go around finding problems that aren't there. That's what intelligent people do. That's what entrepreneurs do. So you have to give them a little bit too much to do. 
that deadline, that sort of positive pressure. So I think you have to find out what your capacity is. But then it links to the next point is what's your experience? If you've never bought a buy-to-let, you don't know how many buy-to-lets you can exchange and complete and refurb all at once. But if you've never bought one and you're buying five, I can tell you it ain't five. <laughs> it's probably a little bit less than five. Um, we've got professionals in the room in this. Uh, so you definitely you'd, you'd want to have a chat. Um, now, to a certain degree, growth forces you to improve your systems, your capacity, your mindset. So sometimes being a bit pushed a bit too much is fine. But I think you've got to test the capacity of what breaks. Now, I have business mentors who have the mentality when it comes to hiring people. Don't hire people until things start to break. And then when things start to break, you're at your limit, then hire people. I would have other people that would say, you know, hire in first so things don't break. And they're kind of like a different mentality. One is a lean mentality. One is a prepare for growth mentality. I think the next thing to think about is, what do you want from this business? Because you know, some people want a lifestyle business. You know, they want a, a passive recurring income. They want to work off their laptop a few hours a week and all that. And, and I've been there and I've done that and I've written books on that and I've traveled the world with my son in his golf competitions. And honestly, not having enough to do bored the shit out of me. And that is not what I want for my life. I know that. So I know I'd rather be busy than bored. So because of that, I'll take on a bit more than I can handle. And I'm okay with that. But if you want a lifestyle business, you have to learn to say no a lot more. And you have to slow growth down. If you want to be an entrepreneur, if you've got a year to replace your income and you've got time and desire to hustle hard, you can take on a bit more. But it's just the continual building of that self-awareness to know what your limits are. The next thing then is the contacts, the resources that you have. If you have three really good brokers, you could probably buy a few deals simultaneously. If you've never even used one broker, you've got to go through the pain of all of that. If you've got a few refurb teams that you can run, so you can run multiple con um, contracts or um, projects simultaneously, then you can handle the capacity. If, if you've not even got one, then you can't. The capital that you have, if you've got more than enough capital, then obviously you can scale a bit quicker than if you haven't. I interviewed that billionaire yesterday and he said one of his weaknesses was he doesn't really know how to say no and he finds it really hard to say no. And that's quite a common entrepreneurial trait because we don't want to miss out on anything. So we say yes to everything. We, we do all in this room have slightly the shiny penny syndrome. We chase a lot of things. It's really common. It's not something to beat yourself up about because if you make one in five of them work, you're already winning and you're already beating everybody else who says no to everything else. But we know most of us in this room probably find it hard to say no. And it is a common entrepreneurial. It's both a skill and a flaw simultaneously. So when you get at maximum capacity, you do need to learn to say no. That's definitely something I really struggle with. Because I, I have total fear of missing out. I'll like, hands up. But too many JVs mean you can't... Um, Manage each partner as well as you'd like. 
Too many properties mean you're probably going to take your eye off the ball on a couple. Too many businesses are going to mean that some break. Too many countries are going to mean that, you know, Finland might be doing really well, but other areas might not be doing well because you've just got too much. You're spread too wide, too thin. Yeah. So hopefully that's useful. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Thank you.